wanted it to, I'd say, mean a little bit more, hit a little bit harder. So we named it Our Inlet. And not as in it's, I'd say, you know, just me and Jake's Inlet, but it's Our Inlet as Native people. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I'd say that album to, to me or to us is a reclamation. You know, it's kind of a, a stamp of, hey, we're still here. It's our land and we're taking it back. Mm-hmm. Exactly that. And I think Gare's... We, we've been doing, I mean, doing the Tubby podcast, doing a couple other podcasts. People are just like, oh, like, what's your sound? Like, what do you guys sound like? And, and Gare said it best one time. It's like, it's, it's inlet music. So it's like, that's what we've, we've been calling. It's like, man, we, we grew up in the inlet and, and that's kind of like where we get our sound from, no matter where it was moving, going across the Prince William to Cordova, but coming back to this inlet over here and, and, and all, yeah. And like kind of what G said, just like reclamation, letting, Mm -hmm. letting folks know, like, I don't know, a lot of stuff, like we were talking about earlier, a lot of history happened here. A lot of folks need to learn a lot of things, and it's mm-hmm. not taught in school. We learn about we learn about mining, and we learn about <laughs> when Western movement came up to Alaska and stuff like that. And it's like, no, we got a lot of stuff right here in the city. We could we could spend a year learning about Anchorage. Yeah. And uh, just, I don't know, just along that kind of energy. And that's kind of what we were aiming for. That was Garrett and Jake Swenson of the hip-hop group Brother Buffalo. They're of EAC heritage, with roots in Cordova, Alaska, but they grew up in Anchorage. As far as their understanding of their heritage goes, they didn't have much to go on, because so much of the culture was taken from their people, and documentation of it was either destroyed or spread across a number of museums. So it was hard for them to figure out what being EAC actually meant. Their connection to their past was limited, and their access to generational stories are few. One connection they remember, though, was having traditional headbands that they'd wear to weddings and to special get-togethers. But then, in 2008, after Chief Marie Smith passed away, the language was declared dead. She was the last fluent EAC language speaker. In the last five to ten years, the EAC language has made a comeback. For their part, Garrett and Jake are learning the language and using it in their raps. They've been taking language classes for a few years now. The group meets every two weeks, learning and practicing the language. In these meetings, Garrett and Jake say they're learning more about themselves and their people. For them, the whole thing, understanding their culture and creating their music, is about self-realization and reclamation. They call their sound inlet music because that's where they grew up, in Anchorage surrounded by the Cook Inlet, except for they don't acknowledge the Captain Cook part of Cook Inlet because of what it represents, colonialism and erasure. That's why they named their most recent album Our Inlet. It's a reclamation of what was taken. So here they are, Brother Buffalo. Welcome to Chattermarks, a podcast of the Anchorage Museum. Dedicated to exploring Alaska and the Circumpolar North. Through the creative and critical thinking of ideas. Past, present, and and future. future. My name is Cody Liska, and I'll be your host. What can you guys tell me about digging for clams? Oh, oh, clam digging. (laughs) um gary you start you did it first you're older yeah uh first things first you always got to keep one hand clean and we don't like clam guns (laughs) no gunning 
but yeah, we've been clam digging since I don't. We got pictures of us as babies out in the Nilchik and clam gulch with our grandma and whole family out there and sucking on diggers and and clam necks <laughs> and stuff like that. Yeah, <laughs> eating raw buttons while we're shucking them. Uh, but yeah, no, that's a that's a family pastime that goes way 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 back. And what did you guys say? You don't use clam guns. What is that? No, so there's a clam shovel, and it's like kind of a longer, like skinnier neck shovel. Um, they're a little bit shorter, but it's for really like dropping down onto one knee. You take one good scoop into the into the clam hole, and you usually by that you can scoop out, and you'll have like a perfect spot to put your hand in, mm-hmm. and that's where you go for the clam, and you use your hand and you kind of dig in there. But these clam guns are they. I don't know when they came out with them, but fools just, they just walk up to these clam holes. There's like a little, um, like a carb hole on it and they let it, they leave it open. So they push this clam gun. It's like a cylinder and it goes around where the clam hole is. They, they close the carb hole, pull up and it just pulls the clam right out of the sand. Like, oh. like it's like a syringe for the earth. That's the way I could describe it. <laughs> it's, it's so, it, it just don't feel right. Yeah. That's crazy. You know, I, I thought that when you said clam gun, you know, cause I, so I, when I was a kid, my family would go clamming in deep Creek and clam Gulch. I think those areas are actually closed now, but oh. I remember walking around with a clamming shovel looking for those little bubbles, you know, the clam hole that told you there was a clam underneath the sand, you know, you dig with the shovel and then you get on your hands and knees you get dirty. and yeah, exactly. You get dirty and dig, you know, so you don't crack the clam shell. Uh-huh. it's an art to it <laughs> yeah there really is yeah our yeah if you get and if you get deep enough into it you'd walk from like where clam gulch is and like there's that that little shoot that spits out from the campground mm-hmm. and to the right of it if you're coming down there's like the little crick right there mm-hmm. and our aunties like back in the day the the clams were good and they weren't all clammed out or fished out so you could use the other shells and we would just sit there and just shuck them all day little little inside trader if you got a good clamshell keep it (laughs) and do you guys have any special techniques Mm. maybe a couple family secrets but i'm gonna keep that in the tuck (laughs) (laughs) all i'll say is if you hear the crack do not put your hand in that hole if you crack that clamshell don't go elbow deep in that hole you're gonna freaking razor blade yourself up so many split fingers oh my goodness (laughs) wait so you crack the shell. Uh, if that's like that's a bad that's a bad dig. Like maybe the clam's a little bit high or something, or you go too low, and you like you use your shovel, and when you take that scoop out, you like you cut that clam in half or something, or you crack mm-hmm. that shell. Yeah. Like you put your hand in there after that. There's ju- it's just like razor blades that are just like in the oh. sand because you crack that shell. Yeah. And it just cuts your hands up. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. I think that. I probably have cut my hands up when I was a kid. <laughs> and I've never seen anybody wearing like big, like latex gloves, which would be a really good move, honestly. Yeah. But yeah. you don't see that. I remember once we had some latex gloves on the beach, but you can't feel the clam. It's not the same. Yeah. You just got to get in there with the dirt and the water. <laughs> <laughs> Did you guys grow up in Cordova? Um, No, we, we grew up in Anchorage, but every summer we'd go back for like a month and spend you know, all of like July there. Or yeah. Or like June. the end of the, yeah. Sometimes August or something like that. Yeah. It's been the end of the summers there, but that's where your family's from. Oh yeah. On, on both sides. My dad's, my dad's family, he, he moved there. I think when he was like six or seven, but his whole family, he had a bunch of sisters. And 
So he's got a bunch of family there. And then my mom's Alaska native EX. So that's where we're Alaska native from. And our people are from right there. So we've been there for hundreds of thousands of years. So I think this is the second time that you guys have mentioned your aunts. <laughs> what can you tell me about your aunts? <laughs> um, there's there's a decent amount of them. And honestly, not all of them. Some of them might be cousins. Some of them might be like great aunties or whatever it is like. But I don't know. You find those ones as you're growing up. It's like, OK, she's around our mom's age. She's like super sweet to us. Like that's probably an auntie or something like mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. yeah. So we might use it lightly, but. But we still got like our aunt Pam in Cordova, who's who's smokes fish for the local community. There's been doing that for like forty years, and um, runs Pam's Donuts on Instagram. She makes earrings out of um, fish skin, sam salmon skin, um, dyed salmon skin, and stuff like that. Um, but gosh, our aunties—they're so special. Yeah, so many of them. <laughs> you know, I grew up with a lot of aunts as well, and uh, they were always kind of just you know, my surrogate moms, mm -hmm. you know, if my mom wasn't around and I was, you know, up to no good, um, they would be right on me, you know, in the same way that my mom would be. Oh yeah. I say aunties almost more so sometimes too. Uh -huh. <laughs> I feel like aunties are more lenient and they're more strict when it comes down to it. Exactly. Sure, aunties yeah. go spit to you straight, you know, no, no bullshit. She's always going to keep, like, I'm just thinking Aunt Pam specifically. <laughs> like, she's called me out a couple mornings where mom probably wouldn't have said anything, but Aunt Pam, she's there and she knows what's up. She's not, she's not pulling any punches. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I feel like that, that same thing, maybe in the opposite direction, applies to, like, grandparents. Because I always hear that, you know, grandparents are always so sweet to their grandkids. And then, like, the parents are like, why didn't you treat me like that? You know, like, why, do, why weren't you that gracious and sweet to me? Uh-huh. I don't know. I don't know what it is with old age. I guess we'll all find out, but everybody gets pretty sweet. <laughs> so how much does your, how much does your EAC heritage play into your upbringing? Um, it was, it was always there. Like we were always aware of it, um, especially going back to Cordova every summer. Mm -hmm. But I would say we're more city natives than, mm -hmm. than anything else. Um, so we weren't doing a lot of uh, I don't know I guess well one thing is we didn't have a lot to go on um, a lot of our culture was you know taken from us but also mm -hmm. a lot of the um, the actual like documentation of it if there was documentation was either destroyed or spread out at uh, a couple different museums um, at least as far as like artifacts go and stuff like that so growing up we'd always try and hold on to the few things we had like we had um, headbands that we'd wear for uh, weddings and for mm -hmm. For, you know special get-togethers and stuff like that but um it was hard trying to to really figure out what being EAC was not having like a, a language to fall back on or a lot of like family stories or yeah a lot of our and like a lot of our aunties and, and uncles and stuff like that there was I mean like a big kind of like genocide and mass movement of 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 EACs and people mm. from South Central when they were kind of our parents and their generation growing up like that and their parents like my mom's mom had a crazy experience growing up as far as like what she could do and who she was told she was and and so there was a lot of stuff that was forcefully taken from them mm -hmm. so it was hard for the last two generations of our people to kind of grasp onto anything because there wasn't a whole lot of people above that telling us or passing down stories and stuff like that mm -hmm. um but 
and what you want to keep going? Well, like even to this day, I feel like we're still learning more stories, even not like, um, like, you know, passed down through generations, but even stories about like our mom or our, our aunts and our grandparents that, you know, we didn't know last year when just getting together with some of our, our uncles and aunties and Cordova this past trip, um, and hearing some stories and there's always something new that kind of slips through and it's, it's cool to, to be a part of those situations where you can hear something new, but it's also hard to, um, have some of that organized into like a, a not a curriculum, but just like a, a kind of how you were brought up, you know, like we weren't yeah. taught a lot of it. There's not, uh-huh. like a, it's like our, it's like our people's culture. Cause we were, we're natives, but we, we weren't doing the, I don't know, the generic things or the traditional, the traditional things because our tradition was kind of taken and we, we played with it how it was. And, and we, our families taught us what, what they knew and what they had. And, mm-hmm. and that's what we got. But in the last, like, I'd say like five or 10 years, the EAC language has made more of a revitalization and thanks in part to a lot of our generation and our parents and our cousins and stuff like that, that are, we're finding, we're finding old stories We're we're revitalizing, we're using the language in, in our raps and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's kind of like we get to write our own, we're writing our own stuff and learning what history we have and it's it's really special and it's really kind of without without being directly there kind of guided us and came full circle from when we were kids hearing these stories the little stories we had to now we kind of get to relay those things which is really special mm-hmm. you know i wonder if there are any stories that you guys have recently heard, you know, I guess maybe for better or for worse that have stuck with you. Um, there was one actually a recent one, um, not necessarily EAC related, but more, uh, I mean, it kind of was, uh, I was at a, a local meeting, um, recently, a native conference and there was a, a local buddy, Corey, um, I forget his last name, but, uh, Corey and he had, he was sharing a land acknowledgement and talking about Anchorage mm-hmm. and just about how not a lot of people know the history of Anchorage itself. And, you know, me being native and living in Anchorage all our life, like I didn't know a lot of history, you know, I haven't gone back and done the research. Um, but he shared a little excerpt of how, about how the, um, was it the village of Takat, which is, um, not Takat new, but uh, I want to say closer to the water from Takatnu, mm-hmm. but it was the village of Takat. And now I think it was one of the last three villages uh, in Anchorage, um, last three native villages. And they had less than a day's notice before they were kicked out by the military. And it was mm-hmm. used as the military dump. And I don't know how you know, symbolic or ironic that yeah. was that it was used as the dump, but um, just like just those stories, it's like they were up and ousted with no, no, like nobody, nobody was telling them anything. Nobody was treating them with any sort of respect. And it's mm-hmm. like they had a whole village and a whole ancestry and a whole history and lineage that, that was brought there and, and born there. And, and then it was just turned into a dump in the matter of a day. But yeah, just Jeez, hearing that yeah. story made me want to go do more research about, you know, what really happened here at Anchorage before it was, before it was Anchorage, you know? And, yeah. And what's your initial reaction to that? Is it, anger is it you know we need to educate more on this subject or maybe is it something else i feel like hearing hearing those types of stories from me is like 
it makes me intrigued to to learn the history more because mm-hmm. there's more on the negative side there's more where that came from where you know his, history is usually taught by the winners and mm-hmm. the people that have managed to to stay above and there's there's stories to to learn there but there's also so many positive stories too because mm-hmm. with all those negative stories i mean there's other days there's there's other events there's there's other gatherings there's other ceremonies that we haven't heard about other battles between ex that between ex and aleuts that turned into trading you know there's there's different stories like that 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 are out there and you it's just conversation like g was saying we went down to cordova for the thousandth time and we heard new stories from the same people we've seen every time so it's like there's always room to ask questions and dig deeper and and find out more mm-hmm. yeah i'd say my like initial reaction to it would be like hunger but like hunger for more information because that's just like that just like sparked something in my head that's yeah it's there's anger in it and there's so many emotions, even the embarrassment for not knowing it being an Alaska native, but mm. it just makes me hungry for more information and want to know more about the people that were here before us and and where they came from, what happened to them, and yeah. how we're here now. What does it mean to be a city native? <laughs> um, city native, I would say, is probably every native that grew up in Anchorage. Um, I just, I hear a lot of stories about people going back to fish camps and, and you know, uh-huh. going back to the Ville. And it's like we're going back to Auntie. She's going to teach us how to fillet fish this time, or mm-hmm. we're going back. We're gonna we're gonna go hang out with Jim, and he's gonna like mend nets. So just like go kind of bother him a little bit. And it's like <laughs> not stuff we were directly in every day. Yeah, but we we knew of it, and and we just we just weren't in the village or in the small town. Like our parents grew up commercial fishing, and it's like that's kind of that was their bread and butter. That's all they did. They didn't have jobs or anything like that. They started getting on the boat when they could talk and walk a little bit. And (laughs) and then they started, then they'd work on the boat till they ran it. And we didn't have that upbringing, but we have that knowledge and I think knowledge is power and we respect it and we're not ignorant about it, which is cool. Yeah. As you guys have gotten older, I wonder if you have felt a need or a draw to learn more about your EAC heritage. Yeah, definitely a draw to learn more for sure. Especially the more we've got into um, the language classes, and uh, and that's a whole whole another separate story in itself uh-huh. on the podcast. <laughs> um, <laughs> but we actually uh, right as COVID was hitting and everything was kind of going virtual and everyone was working remote, um, it gave us more of a chance to get together uh, and and do those language language classes mm-hmm. and practice. Because before we'd get together once a summer, we'd do a culture camp. Um, around July or August, around the end of the fishing season, and we'd all get together and practice, you know, some hello, your lucky basics yeah. and stuff. Um, yeah. But now having the chance to meet over Zoom and realizing what a blessing that was, we meet once every two weeks. Uh, we've been doing that, you know, since 2020, so I'm going on three years now, and it's just cool to see how far we've come and all the the workshops that we've put together. And shout out to Guillaume Ledoui. Ledoui. <laughs> um, He's our, our language instructor. Um, and yes, yeah, it's been a, a really cool thing, a really empowering thing too, to dig in and learn more. And, and with, you know, every language class comes a new, like, uh, we'll learn a handful of words and stuff, but that just like sparks something else in your brain to think like, oh, what, you know, what else could we do with this? Or what else did yeah. this meaning say? Or what else did this word mean? Because not a lot of the translations are direct, you know, dog is dog or, you know, something like that. Mm-hmm. It's always got a, a breakdown to what it means. So it's pretty cool. What can you tell me about these language classes? 
Oh man. Um, it feels like church. <laughs> that's, that's the best way to describe it. And I mean, we do it on Sundays too, so that's probably a little bit of it, but, um, we've never, we've never been really religious. So uh-uh. I feel like this is a good, uh, we believe in our ancestors, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but no, the language classes are so awesome. Um, just a handful of us. Uh, and it's all, all people that we maybe didn't grow up with, but like I said, extended aunties and uncles, right? It's, it's a wide range of, of ages. And they uh, definitely attend that. Yeah. So there's probably like between like five and 25 of us that, that join, um, and not everyone joins every meeting, um, or every class. So there's always someone new popping in or, you know, someone you haven't seen in a while. So it's a nice chance to just kind of get together and talk with folks. And we're all kind of spread out too. There's a handful of us here in Anchorage. There's some in Cordova. Um, there's some in Tahoe. There's Guillaume's in France. So yeah, it's, it's pretty eclectic. <laughs> Do you think there was anything that happened that made you guys refocus on your heritage and want to make it, you know, a bigger part of your life? Um, I think it was it 2012 when or right around I feel like in between like 2010 and 2012. I'm not I I don't want to like butcher that. But our language was officially declared dead. It was 2008, actually. It was 2008? Yeah, before I graduated. That's crazy. Um, but our language was declared officially dead. There was no true blood speakers or, or anybody with, with native blood within them that could fully speak the language. And um, I don't know. I think for me as a kid hearing that, like, I had never been, I'd say bullied bullied by another native until i went to this basketball camp this one summer and this kid had heard that i was eac and he's playing against me and he just kept telling me your language is dead your language is dead Hmm. and it was it it screwed me up like i had a horrible camp like it just it wasn't good and i had never i had never felt something like that and i think for me at such a young age that was something that whether i wanted to or not i was like it was brought to the front forefront of like okay this is something that is me and it's part of me and like i don't know there's there's things that that now hold weight that didn't before and mm-hmm. i think that comes with getting older as well and like having that knowledge and gaining a conscience and and holding more weight to things that matter and yeah yeah <laughs> yeah it was uh just i'd say having like the option to learn um was a big thing too because yeah once um Emory Smith passed away and the language is technically declared dead there wasn't a curriculum or anything and it wasn't very well documented on how to learn the language or any you know classes like we have now or workshops um organized to actually teach people it was a lot of raw documentation and um a professor up in Fairbanks Michael Krauss who had done a lot of work with our grandma or our great grandma Lena and a handful of other EACs to document what he could. And um, so it was all kind of sitting up in Fairbanks, like I said, not really organized super well, um, although it was documented in the fact that they got any of it documented was even a blessing. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but then they got contacted by a language prodigy, Guillaume, in France. And he got together with Michael Krauss um, and a couple other people. And they. He was a young teenager at the time, too. Yeah. Like, because I think he's only a couple years older than me. Yeah. Um, so yeah, he must have been like 15 at the time, I think, when he taught the language to himself. Um, he got with Michael Krauss and they started working on a curriculum once they 
kind of got together and, you know, got in the same continent. Mm-hmm, right. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, once, once they started working together and putting together actual curriculums and, you know, just little like worksheets to, um, on just different, you know, phrases and stuff like that, having that ability to learn and have someone, having someone there to teach you definitely was a driving force and, you know, wanting to learn and wanting to, to get more information. It was inspiring. Yeah. It was really cool. inspiring. Was Anne Marie Smith the last one fluent in the language? Is that why when when she died, it was declared dead? Yeah. Yep. yep. She was our last fluent speaker. Okay. Was there a conversation between you guys where you were like, we need to include our language in our raps? I don't think so. Yeah, I, I think, think so. I think G maybe maybe like we were just playing around one day playing with new beats or playing with new bars and stuff like that and he maybe laid something down or i heard something and it was like oh whoa like we hadn't we have never thought of that like we've never <laughs> thought about doing that before <laughs> and it wasn't like something that was like all right we need to implement this like this needs it was just like it's just a natural thing it yeah. just kind of came about and and we just haven't stopped <laughs> yeah no it's natural i don't know i don't wasn't really any plan into it. The, that was a, one of those direct kind of, uh, I think it was like maybe the same day as a language class too. Like we were messing around with some, because it was Hawasiha. my dog. Yeah, which means my dog. Okay, um, yeah. Which, you know, obviously wasn't used in a, a like referring to your friend. A term slang back, term like that. <laughs> back when our ancestors used it. But, you know, it's a way that we can apply it to the language that we use now. Um, so, yeah, it just kind of fit naturally and. Still one of my favorite lines. <laughs> uh-huh. Use it all the time. <laughs> Have you guys had any, I guess they don't need to be younger than you, but maybe just other people that maybe you're EAC or Alaska native that come up to you and maybe thank you or even just acknowledge the fact that you guys are including, you know, some indigenous language in your raps. For sure. Yeah, definitely. That's that's been one of the most rewarding things is seeing like other native people come up to us at shows. Yeah, and I mean, there's only EX one of the smaller um, tribes, so I don't think that there's mm-hmm. too many of them out there. But like uh, other natives coming up and just saying, you know, it's super cool to hear you guys use your native words and your raps and just mm-hmm. being super supportive. And mm-hmm. yeah, I don't, I don't know if you had anybody younger, but definitely had some aunties come up and right, you know, just family, and it's just really cool to see in it. It just, I don't know, it feels good too. It yeah. Fe- yeah, it feels really special. We, uh, the other day we're, we have uh, some partners that we work with, um, JNS, where we do all our merch through. It's uh, jewelry and stuff uh, at the Diamond Mall. Mm-hmm. Um, shout out to Danielle and Diana over there. They, uh, they're, they're amazing. They're, they're um, a Lutic. Um, it's, she's a woman owned sole proprietor of her business. She runs that thing. She kills it. Um, but we were over there the other day and we were making shirts for a couple sales we had and her, her nephew and her son had come in and they're kind of walking in and out and, and we're just hanging out in the back and it's me, um, my girlfriend, Britt, and then our buddy Caden and her little nephew, Dominic, I'm, I'm never going to forget his name. I told him I'd never forget it. I'm going to shout him out on here. Shout out to Dominic. Um, he's like, I think 12 or something. And he comes kind of milling around and he's waiting for like, we're having a deep conversation. We're talking for like 20 minutes and Dominic's hanging out behind me. And then Danielle kind of peeks over my shoulder and she's like, Dom, like, what do you need? And he was like, um, I just wanted to get a picture with you. And it was like, he waited there for like 15, 20 minutes. Didn't say nothing. Yeah. And just like, he was like, 
your music's like super cool like our my auntie plays in the car all the time like it's super awesome and you just wanted a photo and it was like that right there seeing like a young native kid going crazy like that is i don't know that's super special yeah absolutely you know as you were talking i was also thinking about like you know you have alaska native people you know being really stoked on the lyrics, but then you're also like introducing those lyrics to, you know, people who aren't Alaska native and they're understanding that language and then they're carrying it on. So it's, you know, it's, it's everybody doing it. It is really cool. Cause we've, we've gotten that side of it too, where it's like, I don't know, you'll be at Coots and you got some huge dude tatted up, just <laughs> freaking busting out of his shirt. And he like comes stomping <laughs> over and he's like, yo, I really respect what you guys are like saying up there about your people. Yeah. And it's like, oh, I, I didn't know. I didn't know what was just about to happen. And you just, I don't know. It's like you get it from everybody. And it's, yeah. I don't know. That's why, I don't know. That's why we keep doing it. It's special. People, people see that and, and we see that and we just try and share that stoke and that love. Cause it's, I don't know. It's super fun. Yeah. And you guys got your start at Chill Coo Charlie's in Anchorage with the help of Eternal Cowboys, right? Yes, we did. Oh yeah. Can you tell me about that? Um, yeah, actually it, it's it's funny. Shout out to the Eternal Cowboys and, and also shout out to Jay. I was gonna say it goes deeper it than goes that. It goes deeper than that because <laughs> our first ever uh we went out to a, a Monday open mic. We had finally decided that we were done rapping in the studio all the time and we were gonna go out and rap for some folks. <laughs> so we went to this this open mic and um and shout out to Jay. He's a bassist for the Jeffries. He's in probably a thousand other bands he's a electronic and musical genius he's hilarious too he's a beautiful beautiful heart um but we we walked in there with the with our whole crew we're like all right we're gonna go do a, a do a little show tonight and mad nervous Matt, i was i threw up before <laughs> it i was tripping we were we were both tripping but but jay was in there super sweet super kind and was just like we did our set nervous as hell made it through it and he was just like, yo, you guys, you guys should come back for more Mondays. Like you guys are super awesome. Um, Want to hear more of your stuff. And and he got us connected to Boobs, who really runs the open mics on Mondays. Mm-hmm. And from there, we started doing Mondays with them. We were religious with that. And then they started putting us on Tuesday shows with them, um, which was fun because we get to do back to back weeknights. Just go in there <laughs> till friggin three in the morning and yeah. do a set at one and get our get our hours in um but they've they've helped us from from that to to putting us out at vans to putting us on shows where where they had places and they really kind of opened the door for us and i mean we'll still go do a tuesday night on a random like we just i don't know it's love we love those guys they're super badass and when you puked (laughs) (laughs) what were you thinking about you know what have you thought about what made you so nervous yes. about that first time? Oh, for sure. I'm a nervous guy. Like I'm <laughs> okay. anxious. I'm my hands are my hands are sweating right now. I'm always just like a little anxious. <laughs> and it was um it was just the fact of not knowing. I didn't know what was gonna happen. Okay. I didn't know if people were gonna like it, if I was gonna remember my words, if it was gonna sound like it was it was just the fact of the unknown was just like consuming me. And and then we got up there and it was like, whoa this is like really tight. Like, I don't remember what just happened. It's like, we just blacked out and we just did this like super <laughs> cool thing. And it's like, it took me so far out of my own head, which was like the best place I could be. And it just put me like right there in the now 
yeah. me and G up on stage rapping, and we didn't stop. <laughs> <laughs> and what did you say, Garrett? Did you say anything to to Jake when you know you saw him being nervous, or did you recognize it as like this is something that he needs to go through? No, no, not at all. Not to say, I mean, like we're six years apart, but it's my little brother. I know who he yeah. is and what the man goes through. So I, I saw him ducking behind the car. It was no big deal. I knew what was going on. Um, <laughs> I just made to give him some love when he came back. <laughs> he was all good. But no, that's, that's the fun thing about coots too. It's like, especially open mics, it could be, it's like a wild card on what's going to be there when you get there. It could be military night. It could be super dead. It could be, packed out for some strange reason there could be a whole frisbee golf tournament in town and the place is loose with people hippie flipping yeah you might <laughs> end up running into jamie lynn at the bar with parker zoom and you're getting a smoke a j with your freaking snowboard heroes you yeah know? you, you never, never know, know. <laughs> that's wild so when you saw jamie lynn what did you think oh i was tripping out and i don't even think we saw him before we linked up with his buddy uh cam that is he was going through town with parker zoom and and another buddy and they were super hyped on on our little set that we were doing and uh uh i think it was afterwards we were hanging out smoking in the car and uh-huh. they came rolling through and they were like yo you guys want to come back to the rv and hang out for a little bit and <laughs> jamie lynn just in there drawing like some art on the front of the rv like uh-huh. crazy <laughs> it was uh, that night there was rose petals everywhere it was crazy like you remember that didn't didn't um What's uh what's our man's name? Because he came through there that night, didn't he? That's why there's all those rose petals. R.I.P. to um the flower buddy from oh, downtown. That, what that yeah, was? yeah. But there was it was a it was such a crazy night, and it was Tuesday. <laughs> it was so nuts. You know, I have a little bit of a Jamie Lynn story. Jamie Lynn's not really like in it, but in 2015, I went down to Bellingham to do this story on Mark Landvik, just kind of like hang out with him for a couple days. And it was for, uh, the fourth issue of crude and I show up. Um, Mark's just like, you know, got all of his like trinkets and all of his woodwork everywhere. And it's a little messy outside. And he's just kind of directing me in different places. Like, okay, we're going to do this later. We're going to do this later. Oh, and then you're staying in here. And it's like a carriage house, but it was like, that was Jamie Lynn's room. And so it was, you know, that was where he stayed every single time that he came and visited Mark and Bellingham or, you know, went to Baker or whatever. Oh, and that's, that's where I stayed for like four days. That's sick. The Jamie Lynn suite. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's sick. You know, you guys sent me this bio about you guys to help me know a little bit more about your background. And in the first sentence, you said that you're Alaska native EAC rappers that are real brothers. Why did you find it necessary to tell me that you're real brothers? Do people <laughs> think that you're not real brothers? We, we, we would say it on stage and people wouldn't believe us. Yeah. <laughs> like they, like, or, or we wouldn't, we wouldn't say it for like half a show or something. And then we bring it up and then people come up to us after the show and they're like, Yo, like that's a funny little thing, like the little brother <laughs> skit or like whatever. Like, oh, are you guys actually brothers? And so now we we literally put it in everything. If it's a press kit to a venue, if it's we're talking to to somebody downtown or something, it's like, oh yeah, we're we're rappers and we're real brothers. Yeah, well, we've had even had homies come up to us who like we don't know super well, but you know, you know some people from going out or whatever for the yeah. past four years. That's right. And they come up to you and be like, 
yo, so like, how'd you guys get together? You know? <laughs> like, bro, that's my brother. Like, <laughs> we've known you for like six years, dog. <laughs> oh, that's incredible. How did you guys come up with the name Brother Buffalo? That's a good question. Um, so yeah, we were going by Grandpa G and Just Jake when we first started recording music, and that's what our first two albums are under: mm-hmm. uh, Paradise and Cold Out. Um, but we, it was actually on Paradise, our first project. We made a song called Buffalo, and that seemed to be like the standout of the five tracks that we dropped. Uh-huh. Like, and we made a music video for it in Cordova. Oh, we little, did. Little put yeah. a little thing in there. Yep. Shout out to Lau for filming that. Yep. Um, but we. Yeah, so that was our biggest song, and we were trying to come up with some type of name because we weren't, you know, going to be two separate artists forever, and it's just mm-hmm. easier to have one name. Yeah. Um, and we're thinking, and we have a middle brother named Kyler, and he passed away in 2011. Mm-hmm. Um, and we wanted a way to pay tribute to him and and pay respect to him. He was um, he wasn't born with special needs, but he had a stroke at uh, seven weeks and mm. ended up developing um, cerebral palsy um, and epilepsy. And uh, he, I would say, is the the driving force of our whole family. Absolutely, that um, the main source of inspiration and motivation. Seeing what he would go through day in and day out, and just always have a smile on his face. Um, man was just the biggest ray of sunshine and and you know when he wasn't happy he would definitely let you know (laughs) um but uh yeah he he passed away and we just really wanted a way to to like i said pay respect to him right we figured the the best way to do that would to uh name the group brother buffalo after the one that couldn't be up on stage with us Um, yeah that's why there's no it's not brothers it's not buffalo brothers or anything like that it's brother buffalo for the one and only kyler Mm -hmm. kls the legend (laughs) yeah yeah that's great you know i wonder i don't know you know i feel like i'm i'm pretty spiritual and i i if i was in that position i feel like i would feel you know my brother or my sister's you know, spirit or their energy, mm-hmm. you know, on stage or writing lyrics or recording. And, you know, that would help like motivate me or inspire me. And, and I wonder, you know, and I don't want to like be trying to like give you guys emotions. So if this doesn't apply, you know, just tell me straight up. But do you feel like there's any of that involved in the music you make? Absolutely. I, uh, I don't know. I think it, he's, he's, we, I don't know from, from the very beginning when he had passed, it was really tough. And my mom had just mentioned like, we just can't forget him ever. Like that's the one thing we owe him is we just can't forget him. And, uh, I don't know. I think about him. Excuse me. (laughs) I, uh, I think about him all the time. So it's, I mean, for me, it's only natural that I think about him while I'm rapping. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And I know we've dedicated at least one song to him um, specifically, or one song that's, you know, for him, about him, um, and just the the motivation and the inspiration that he gives us. But our whole family, like uh, mom, dad, and even our aunts and uncles, like we're so tight-knit just because of him and the, the bond we all built 
you know, rallying it around him and making sure that everything was good and that everyone was taken care of and that, you know, everyone made it to all the appointments on time right. and all mm-hmm. the practices on time. Um, so it's a very, a very supportive family. And I, I don't think there's anything that we would do without thinking about him or, you know, how he affected us. Right. When you guys think about him now, I mean, it sounds like he's, uh, he's pretty like ubiquitous, you know, he, mm-hmm. he was very much a part of like so many facets of the family, but do you have any specific memories of him? Mm-hmm. Mm, there's so many. Um, again, I, right now I can see it's like the summertime and like the front doors open and we got the bug net. So the mosquitoes aren't biting him mm-hmm. and he's just sitting out front in his wheelchair and we're like running through the sprinkler, playing basketball, throwing shit at each other. And he's just sitting there like in the bug net, like smiling and laughing. And it's just like, that was just like a summer day. It's yeah. like part of the schedule. Like, all right, we're all going outside. Roll them out. Like, <laughs> let's <Yeah>. go. <laughs> uh, we used to take a bunch of trips down to Seattle too. Um, Cause the man went through, pff, I don't even know how many surgeries. Um, but we, it was one of the trips we were going down there. And I remember mom and dad were at the ticket office, getting our tickets all squared away or checking in for the flight. And I was like probably 12. So Jake would have been like six. So he's just <laughs> running around causing a ruckus. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was ru- uh, pushing Kai through the airport, just kind of going back and forth, waiting for our parents. And I can hear him laughing. So we're starting to pick up speed and go a little bit faster. And we're doing wheelies. <laughs> and the chair got too heavy and he tipped back. And I just remember feeling so bad. And we tipped him back up, and the man was pretty stoked. <laughs> that was the one thing. He, he always loved a bumpy road in the car. And, yeah, he was just the biggest smile on his face. A little yeah. adrenaline junkie. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it was so funny. But, yeah. Oh, man, love that guy. Mm. You know, I listen to a lot of music, and I'm actively seeking out new music and new artists you know it's something that i've done since i was a kid and as i've gotten older i realize like how therapeutic healing and how much it can motivate me i wonder if you guys think about music the same or a similar way i think there's i think at least like making music for for me garrett kind of opened that door for me and it wasn't at a point where i was like I'm stoked about life. Like I just want to go on a on a beat and brag about my life. It was like I came to G and I was kind of in a shitty little spot, just not knowing what the future held and just be just in a diff, not in a great mindset, honestly. And he was like, you know what? Like let's just listen to a beat. Like maybe you get in the studio. Like try rapping and stuff like that. And it's and it started as just like an outlet. It was just like an easy thing to like talk about things that I didn't realize were hard to like talk about. Mm-hmm. And it's just like it's. And then now it's like now we get to like talk about the fun things and we get to rap about all these super great things. But it's like at its core, it's it's therapeutic. It's something that that heals, at least for me. And I can feel it in, in Gare's raps, too. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, that was one thing like it's definitely like a form of therapy. Like I, if I didn't have anybody following me or, you know, anybody listening, even I would definitely still be making music just for the the outlet of it all, being able to to get it out. Mm-hmm. But also in that same sense, kind of, um, I don't know, like the music I listen to, I feel like doesn't always sound like the music I make or I feel like the music I make is kind of therapeutic and, you know, isn't, mm-hmm. isn't like you're saying, isn't all hyphy and everything. Um, but you do get to a point where you, where you can make that music. Um, but it's, it's nice to be able to fall back and, and listen to something that you made 
three or four years ago and it's like oh yeah i know that feeling i know uh -huh. where i was then and just to see where we came from since then yeah and it's cool these last couple of days too for some reason like i mean we've been having a handful of shows since we got back me and me and Britt got back a couple of weeks ago from uh, mexico and florida and since then we've just been like doing shows and going over music and like a lot of our show nights but by the end of it like we've done our set whatever we're back at the crib we just start like playing all these oldies and it's like these feel good like these are we're at such a different point in our lives now and it's like cool to see it's like we get this history book of like how we were feeling about <laughs> what we were up to just yeah. by listening to these old tracks and it's really cool so you guys don't have any issues listening to your older stuff no no i mean there's definitely a couple of tracks i'm like man this sh this shit is garbage yeah. like <laughs> cringy moments, uh, but, but, it, but now it's like i don't know we're at a point like we could just laugh at it and and still rap that stuff it's fun yeah, yeah. <laughs> i wonder how long it took you guys to get to that point you know because i guess for me i'm like a little nervous to listen to my earlier episodes just because i think maybe my editing was too tight in my opinion. Yeah. Um, so, but I think that just the way that any, you know, I guess creator is, is like you make it way worse in your mind than it actually is. And then you go back to it and you're like, Oh, okay. Like that. I respect that. Right. It's like your bit, you're, you're like, you're your worst critic. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like, that's, that's how it is for me sometimes too. It's like, I'm just like way over the top on myself and it's like, wait, I just need to just put down these bars see what this says and just go with it and just like mm -hmm. feel it a little bit because yeah sometimes you can kind of kill the fire yourself yeah and i feel like that there's definitely yeah like you're saying a stage of like hypercriticalness especially right after i put something out mm -hmm. and like we'll be like even at cooth performing something and i'm like i don't know if i like this anymore <laughs> <laughs> but i don't know i'd probably stay with it for like six months or something like that or, or even once we start to work on the next project and then it's like okay you know even if i didn't like that and i've decided like yeah i don't, I don't like that i can find myself or i can find like some peace in working on something new right. and then looking it's, back and like look where we came from you right know? it's like you can yeah. look at a you can look at a piece of work and you can you can have like 150 emotions about it like you felt everything about it so now it's like it is what it is exactly. <laughs> yeah How are you guys, you know, when you work together, are you really honest with each other? Like Garrett, if, if you're kind of iffy about a lyric and you're like, Hey Jake, like, how does this sound? And then Jake, you're like, you know, honestly, it kind of sucks or it's tight. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. We, we 
throw ideas back and forth at each other. Um, but I don't know. It's one thing we haven't had to do really is like, be like, nah, that's, that's trash. Right. Dude. The <laughs> one thing I will say is like, we're pretty freaking like, like, uh, we got, what is it? We're on the same like brain, like the wavelengths. Cause we yeah. can, the, I will say like the only times when it really comes down to stuff like that, like you'll, we'll hear it. Like we'll play it for the first time. And then both of us will just look at each other. Like we'll hear a bar. <laughs> yeah. Nobody even has to say a thing. And like, we both kind of side eye each other. And it's like, yeah, that thing's trash. Like we gotta, that, that's gotta go. Or like that's gotta move. Or we'll, we'll look at each other and be like, uh Oh, like this, this is fire. Yeah. Like this is going to be the shit right here. Exactly. <laughs> But no, it's, we have a, a nice, honest line of communication between us. So, Facts. Yeah, but I don't know. But like you said, we are on kind of the same wavelength, so it helps with the creativeness. Yeah, we're, we're brothers. <laughs> <laughs> Real brothers. Real, Real brothers. brothers. <laughs> <laughs> Something I really appreciate about your music is you guys are actually rapping. You know, it seems like you care about lyrics, the construction of your rhymes. You care about the beat and how you're lyrics ride that beat why do you think that is <laughs> i don't know yeah I'm... it's we definitely when it comes to like picking picking beats or like or building something with somebody or like talking to a producer about like kind of what we want mm -hmm. we have a really i don't know we have a good ear for like for things that that fit our pocket or things that like we like but it was never like we never sat down and we're like all right this is what we like like this is what we're always gonna do. Mm -hmm. It's like some of our music changes and stuff like that, but it's like it's just this kind of I don't know this natural feeling. And then from there, we might have to talk about things as far as like, okay, where do you want to go on the beat, or what do you want to do here? But it's like mm -hmm. it's a very I don't know, it's a very natural thing. Yeah, and I'd say growing up, I was always you know into Eminem a lot and into like more lyrical raps rather than like. Mm -hmm. bops or or anything like I that i know little Lil wayne was spitting back in the day <laughs> he was spinning bars exactly bars <laughs> no hooks um but yeah it's i don't know it's weird it's like that's a that's a good question i don't know if anybody's ever ever asked something like that because it's like i don't know we just feel it and like for you to say like it's we're like kind of planning out like our bars and, mm -hmm. and stuff like that it's like i don't know i never thought I don't think like that. I think it, I feel like when we're in the mode, it's very fluid and it's like you move things around by instinct and you change things by instinct. And it's like, I don't know. I, I don't know. It's cool. <laughs> we're, we're blessed to, to be able to do that and enjoy that, that space, that art space. Yeah, and I will say we do, um, at least I kind of pride ourselves on working with as many local producers that we can. So we're not getting a lot of YouTube beats or anything like that. And for our first couple of projects, we did have a you know, good handful. Um, but the more that we've got in tune with the local scene is making sure we're getting beats from people that, you know, we fuck with. And, yeah, yeah, we've met and we, yeah. it's like, yeah, we sat down and hung out with this guy. We smoked a bunch of blunts with him. We've, he's met our people. We've met his people. And it's like, this is actually like a genuine person. And you can, you could tell that cause it's like, you could find something cool online, a cool beat. And it's like, yeah, you have the beat, but it's like, I don't know when you have somebody's piece of art, like we've been making art and like, you know, that person it, it's like, that's, that's, they put their time and effort into that. And like, you have that connection, not saying that these people online aren't doing that, but it's like, we've just made that connection with that person and it means more. Yeah. It's cool. Yeah. And then it seems like going from that, you kind of have a responsibility to that beat now, you know, to that beat and to that, that producer. For sure. Yeah, definitely. 
it's a uh, yeah it's it's a nice two-way street like it's we and i'll shout out to one of our producers lungs because we're just when when the other person wants something we just annoy the hell out of each other and it's like i'll send him <laughs> 10 texts in two hours trying to get something from him and he'll send me like oh yeah no problem like he just gets it and then he'll send me a bunch of texts i'm like um yeah man my bad like it's sending i'm, I'm sending it right now yeah and it's just like i don't know those those types of things those are just genuine fun connections where it's like i just want to see what kind of art you have and make some stuff with you like it's fun oh do you guys feel like you grew up in a musical household <laughs> not really not no. really <laughs> like it's funny like our cousins um or at least jim he's super musically inclined that, our buddy our, our buddy our, our cousin jim he can just pick up any sort of instrument and just off a of sound or whatever just kind of finagle with it and he's been a mu- musician and artist for since forever since i could yes, remember ever ever but nothing nothing to knock our parents but it's like they weren't we didn't have a piano in the house we didn't have guitars <laughs> like we listened to like mellow rock like classic rock and then i listened to hip-hop when when gare finally showed me that stuff yeah so we didn't i don't think we i hope it. we're not missing somebody i hope i hope somebody in our in our like childhood didn't just like plant a seed and we're just bumbling right now <laughs> I don't know. I took a singing lesson one time. Yeah, so we had guitar lessons once upon a time. Oh, that's right. I think we only did like two. I, I thought it was a trumpet. We did the trumpet too. Dang. We tried. Yeah, we're, we grew <laughs> up musically inclined for sure. <laughs> Do you guys feel like you fed off each other? For sure. Maybe not always positively, yeah. but <laughs> I was a little mother effer sometimes. I wasn't, I wasn't the... Yeah, being six years apart definitely made it more interesting growing up because we were not best friends growing up not we weren't enemies but it's like we're just different i was so young and you were just older yeah those things didn't didn't jive but the energy was always there like it was the comfortability (laughs) was there yeah that was never that was never fading (laughs) when do you guys feel like you got comfortable with each other um probably when i turned what was it like 17 17 or 18 I was thinking like 16. 16 yeah. yeah, 16. The more I said that, the more it sounded like 16. Yeah. Um, yeah, you were 16. I think I just gotten back from a snowboard trip and like we smoked some weed together. We smoked a spliff. <laughs> Shout out to the, the Huffman friggin' strip malls down there. We went and got Taco King and then we got in the whip and my and G was like, yo, you want to smoke a spliff? And I would friggin' took a hard gulp and I was like, let's do it. <laughs> Let's do this thing. <laughs> Spark the start it all. Uh-huh. <laughs> and that was really it. Like, I don't know. I was coming to age a little bit. Our our ages were slowly, like, mattering less. Yeah. You know, we were getting to that point where we were both just becoming adults and, like, becoming who we were going to be. Yeah. And those those stars just aligned in a way that was friggin' super dope and super special. <laughs> and now I just get to hang out with you all the time and do stuff like this, which yeah. is cool. That's sick. <laughs> Yeah, I always wonder if it's because of, you know, the construct of school, you know, and the hierarchy that exists within, you know, public schooling. And then eventually university, if you go to university, but, you know, like you just said, age starts to matter less and less and you start to appreciate each other as people, you know, as individuals who have their own thoughts and feelings and, you know, points of view. And I say that because, you know, I have a lot of siblings and at this point, you know, we're 
in our 30s, we're in our 40s, and our youngest sister is in her early 20s, but she's like, she's kind of an old soul because she grew up yeah. around a bunch of like, you know, older siblings and older parents. And so she's pretty wise. Um, but when we're all together, we just like, there's not so much uh, a hierarchy structure anymore, you know? Right. There's more just kind of like respect amongst adults or like yeah, people that have like, yeah, look at us now. Like we've all made it here. Yeah. <laughs> like we've all gone through all, oh, yeah, all the schooling and all this stuff. And now like we're our own independent people mm -hmm. and it's, yeah, it, it, it's, it's very interesting. I think I have some of that, that old soul too. I get told that sometimes talking to like older folks, but it's like when it's funny because when I was like 17 to like 20, I had gotten a fake ID and like when I would go out, it would just be with Garrett and all of his older friends. So it's like all my friends didn't have fake IDs. I was coming back from school out of state at like 19, like going down to Simon's and stuff like that. And I'm hanging out <laughs> with all these buddies who are like six, seven, eight years older than me. Yeah. And it's like, I just kind of had to just blend like fit the mold a little bit yeah and i don't know i enjoyed it though it was fun garrett are there any new age words that you feel like jake can say that you can't hmm that's a good question um no nah, I, mean, I, I don't think so i don't think so he, but I, I tell you what man does keep me hip to a lot of new music and lingo and i mean i go by grandpa and that's not for no reason <laughs> um, but but none it's kind of funny just like jake was saying he used to hang out with like me and all my friends when we go to the bar now it's kind of the flip situation where a lot of my friends are of the age where they're having kids and so they're staying in mm -hmm. and so now i was looking around the other night or like <laughs> even when we went to cordova i'm looking around I'm like i'm hanging out with all jake and his friends like all these kids used to be a little like toddler punks running around the neighborhood and, uh, and now they're all the homies coming full circle <laughs> so i listened to your album the other day and i really liked it why did you guys name it our inlet um first of all thank you appreciate it yeah we appreciate that yeah you're even listening to that's sick love when here hear new people listening um but we called it our inlet because First of all, it was fuck Cook Inlet. I think that, or it wasn't fuck Cook Inlet, but it was like Cook Inlet. <laughs> your chest, and we, <laughs> and we had the cook scratched out and it was just going to be Inlet. Um, but uh, the more we were like playing with the idea, we had the song Our Land um, and we wanted it to, I'd say, mean a little bit more, hit a little bit harder. So we named it Our Inlet and not as in it's, I'd say, you know, just me and Jake's Inlet. But it's our inlet as a native people. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. I'd say that album to to me or to us is a reclamation. You know, it's kind of a, a stamp of hey, we're still here. It's our land, and we're taking it back. Mm -hmm. Exactly that. And I think Gares, we we've been doing. I mean, doing the Tubby podcast, doing a couple other podcasts. People are just like, oh, like what's your sound? Like, what do you guys sound like? And and Gare said it best one time. It's like it's it's inlet music. So it's like. That's what we've we've been calling it. It's like, man, we we grew up in the inlet, and and that's kind of like where we get our sound from. No matter where it was, moving, going across the Prince William to Cordova, but coming back to this inlet over here, and 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 all, yeah, and like kind of what G said, just like reclamation, letting mm -hmm. letting folks know, like I don't know, a lot of stuff. Like we were talking about earlier, a lot of history happened here. A lot of folks need to learn a lot of things, and it's mm -hmm. not taught in school. We learn about we learn about mining, and we learn about. <laughs> 
when western movement came up to alaska and stuff like that and it's like no we got a lot of stuff right here in the city we could we could spend a year learning about anchorage yeah and uh just i don't know just along that kind of energy and that's kind of what we were aiming for did your grandma hate the word inlet no she hated the word engine <laughs> yeah engine's like a yeah it's engine. Like a derogatory term yeah like uh indian or engine um and that was one that was one of the first ones. I think I have a song on SoundCloud called Engine. And mm-hmm. that was kind of like the first step in like the self-realization and like the the reclamation of of everything and just the embracing of our our culture and everything that had been taken from us and just kinda putting it all out there. But yeah, it's, that's one thing that I knew grandma never liked. <laughs> yeah. And it's like we're using it like now, I think it's like more of like a disarming like like that that shit don't that doesn't mean nothing. Like, use it, say it. It's like, whatever, we're saying it. It's right here. Like, can't mm-hmm. take nothing. We done used it. <laughs> you know, I wrote that question down because I also listened to your last album. And in one of the hooks, I thought it said, you know, our grandma hated the word inlet, but you're saying it was... Engine. Yep. Engine. My grandma hated that word. We rebranded the image. Yeah. 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 We rebranded <laughs> that image. Hey. Hey. Oh, we feel it. All right. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So that's my old age catching up with me. <laughs> <laughs> and you guys worked with Keezy on a song, right? Yeah. On uh, it's uh, the song "Sweet Dreams of You, Big C in the Morning." It's um, it's an ode to Kyler. So if you if you yeah sit down and listen to that one, there's a lot of a lot of references and stuff that we talked about today that are that are run along that song pretty strong. What was it like writing that song and then recording it? You know, that was one of the few songs I feel like that we've really sat down and kind of planned out mm-hmm. and really went into with like s- some serious like intention. Mm-hmm. And I remember hearing the beat for it. And it instantly texted Jake and I was like, I know what we're going to do for this song. Like, this mm-hmm. is going to be a song about Kai. And the the hook came together super natural, like yeah, super organic. Um, and I know for me, at least, I cried a whole bunch trying, oh, yeah. to, I trying was, to write that oh, and my trying goodness. to record it. <laughs> trying to record that. trying Because it's like getting the words out. And then it's like, like sometimes at least for me, like when ideas come out or like I just start writing a bunch and then like I'll go back through and kind of clean up all my errors. And it was like, I was so much stuff was just spilling out. And it was like, I had to go back through and try and clean up all these errors. And I'm like double crying now, like trying to go back through all these lyrics. And it's like, how am I ever going to get, how am I going to record this and say these words out loud? Mm-hmm. But I want to say, did, did your verse come first uh, or did mine? You know, I don't know. I can't remember if it was. It would, I feel like it all happened it, really quick. It did. It was like kind of this, it was just like a whirlwind. And then all of a sudden it was like, we have this song and it's like, we had these lyric, these verses written out and they were, I don't know, they were really long and they meant a lot. And yeah, now I can't, I can't even get through the damn song on stage. It's like a 50, 50. I'll be crying by the end of my verse. And then I got to stand up there and get the waterworks in order. <laughs> <laughs> Do either of you have, any favorite parts about that song? Any favorite lyrics? Mm. Honestly, that whole thing is from like top to bottom. I know it's hard. I'd say like, um, 
I don't know. I just love how I come in. Like my like the sweet dreams of you, big. See you in the morning. I say it every time. Now my family say it for him. See you in the morning, Kai, and I can see you yawning. Like that's. I don't know. Like it's just like the. It could be any any part of that, but just like saying those words out loud, it's just like it feels so cool that we can we can do that at a show mm -hmm. or like people can hear that and like really resonate with that. And like now we'll go to a show like in Cordova and stuff like that. And you could hear people singing it. It's like that's crazy. Like, <laughs> look, Kai, look. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think mine's probably the the way I end it. Um, the never left my cup dry, inspired by the fire in you, told you every lunchtime, in spite of all the times I meant to. Because um, I used to have to go home and uh, and help my mom move him from his bedroom upstairs to his bed or to downstairs mm -hmm. every lunchtime um, when I was in high school. And it was, I don't know, we're always, or we're a very affectionate family. So I was always telling him I love you. But for the few times, you know, that I had to run out quick or, you know, didn't get a chance to, to stop and tell him I loved him. Um, but yeah, that man just never left my coat dry, you know? Mm -mm, yeah. Never, ever. I always kept it full. <laughs> you know, there are a lot of artists, musicians who have songs that they won't sing, you know, cause they're too emotional. And I wonder if you guys maybe had any conversations about like whether or not you wanted to perform that song and like the benefits, the, the drawbacks, anything like that. For, for that, for that joint, not at all. And I'll, I'll say at least for like the first couple of times, like when we're on stage and we're doing a new song, like, it's not like we're not there for it, but it's like, we have a lot more intention on like trying not to screw up the lyrics and stuff like that. So I think it was probably like the third or fourth time doing that song we did. Um, brown bear in indian going out to girdwood they mm -hmm. um shout out to Dwayne and um and his gal bailey um she she runs that spot out there but we did a show out there and that was i think the first time i was able to kind of just be so comfortable in that song to where i was like really there like kind of hearing myself say it and i freaking that was the first time i broke down but it wasn't like the first couple of times doing it, it was like that that fourth time where it's like whoa I, we're like really doing this song and I can really feel this. And it was like, that was the moment. And now it's like just kind of a flip of the hat. It's like, <laughs> yeah. I don't know how this is going to end, but we're doing this song every night. Yeah, yeah. We're doing it every time. <laughs> yeah. That's great to hear, you know, because I think maybe there's a few ways to go about performing, but it seems like you guys are very much, um, it's like emotion driven. You know, these songs are important and, we're going to sing them. They're important or, you know, maybe they're party songs, but those, you know, those are important in their own right too. And then there is like maybe the performer perspective, which is, you know, something along the lines of, I can't perform this song to like the best of my ability. So I'm going to keep it out of the playlist. We, uh, I'd say for us, we threw perfection out the window. <laughs> uh, like two years ago where it was like, we we give it we we talk about it. That's like we give an experience. Like we might, mm -hmm. I don't know. We might ask to run a song, but we're not we're not focused on overthinking it because like it is going to be what it is. And like I don't know the way we carry ourselves and like the folks that we've attracted and our shows and stuff like that. It just feels more of like an experience. And it's like you're coming to hang out with us, not what you think a performer's supposed to be, mm -hmm. not what you think the song should sound like. There, it's like you're coming to hang out with Brother Buffalo. 
Yeah. And we're going to we're going to have some fun and like yeah, we're going to get time. emotional. <laughs> we're going to party. We're going to jump up and down. And it is what it is. <laughs> exactly. I hope you enjoy it. Yeah. <laughs> Why do you guys think you have that perspective on performing? Um, I feel like it's just created from performing, honestly. Like yeah. we've, okay. We did on so many, like we said, open mics and you just get every type of audience. And I feel like the way or at least the way that we found it to have fun is to just enjoy ourselves on stage. Right. And that's the way that I, we get the most enjoyment out of it. And I feel like the crowd gets a lot of enjoyment out of it that way too. Mm -hmm. But just, just, I don't know, just feeling the moment. Right. Really. And I think it, there was a turning point. G said it best to me one time. He was like, you need to pick something and go for it. And he was like, um, I forget what age, what, what age he was speaking to me from, but he was like, don't, don't do a bunch of things half-ass like pick a couple things and like really go for them mm -hmm. and then when i heard that it was like i had been so over the top in my head about just like being perfect or like worrying about the show to where it's like screw that like i'm not i'm not even gonna, we're not thinking about that <laughs> like we can't we've we've spent so much time trying to be perfect or trying to fit into whatever growing up and it's like nah let's just do what, let's just do what we want to do and like we'll have fun if people like it they like it and I think we got lucky with that, that people enjoy hanging out with us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I guess maybe my last question about performing is, and correct me if I'm wrong in my interpretation, but you know, you guys are putting so much emotion and everything is very present. If you guys, or when you guys go on, you know, a big tour, you know, say you're, you're touring for six months to a year can you imagine that being exhausting? I can, I can, I can see how in shape we're going to be. <laughs> that's, the way I, that's the way I think of it. It's like, it's so exhausting up there, but it's like, yeah. compared to like running four or five miles or like doing anything else, it's like, I don't even think about it. I might be tired after, but it's like, this is the best form of exercise. And it's like, the more we do our songs, the more comfortable they feel. Yeah. For, like I could tell for, for both of us, like, the more fun we have like if we could do like the same type of set list with like new songs sprinkled in and out for three months or something by that third month we're gonna be unconscious on stage like that's just <laughs> like i could just feel it and i can see it and it's like we're just gonna be leveling up and leveling up like yeah i don't see that stuff getting tiring <laughs> no i don't even think about the exhaustion part of it i just think about how much fun we're gonna have and everybody we're gonna get to see and all the places we're gonna get to go it's people like, we get to meet it's just like and we just get to do our music and just like have a really good time with it exactly yeah <laughs> and is that where you guys see yourself in the future yeah it is we're i mean right now we're we're working on doing we're going down to south by southwest for on the 17th and um mm -hmm. there's a big kind of conglomeration of alaska artists and shout out to um Chris, um, Chris Ray, I'm going to use Hemp. his government name. Shout out to Sean Hemp for putting it together, the South by Southwest tour. Um, but we're starting there and then we're going to do actually do, um, tour Southeast a little bit. And then we're going to try and get out, um, for, um, springtime into summer and actually do a lower 48 tour. So we're kind of aiming for that already. And that's kind of in the works right now. Going back to the album, our inlet for a second, I had a few other favorites besides the one about your brother uh talking to ghosts white whips yeah. still cold out blamed on argo 
Still Cold Out actually reminded me a lot of old Arctic Flow songs. <laughs> yeah, that's sick. That's cool. <laughs> I love to hear that. Do you guys have any favorites? Maybe favorites to listen to or favorites to perform? Um, I love performing White Whips. Yeah, White Whips. Argo. Degrees, Argo. Argo's Ar- been a... Argo was like, we don't get us wrong, we, we really enjoyed that song, but we didn't really know the beast that Argo would turn into as far as like a show song and like people really like picking up on it and like liking that song mm-hmm. and i mean we've kind of learned over the last i feel like three weeks to really how to perform that song mm-hmm. and like using we i don't know we kind of underutilized the energy that that song carried for a couple shows and now like we can really turn up to that song and that is like one of my favorite songs to do yeah it's been sick to see um the the songs that like maybe weren't our favorite but that did there that have turned into people's favorites or you know like overall mm-hmm. like crowd favorites yeah um like you said talking to a ghost honestly that one we were sitting on that track for a hot minute a long time um i wouldn't say it wasn't one of my favorites but it, that one just felt like it had so much more of a message than some of the other songs and i wasn't sure how well it would be received but and it's like it's not like some of like the party songs like to, comparing it to tequila or something like that like those songs don't hold as much i feel like on the conscience compared to like white or not white whips but talking to a ghost because it's like there is more to it and it's like it holds a little bit more weight in your chest when you think about it compared to like tequila or something so it's like yeah yeah, there's there's more that goes into it yeah but yeah no it's it's been cool to see the response um but yeah i think art's favorite that's a really interesting concept that you know you guys finish making an album or finish making a song and then when you perform it, you realize that it's taken on a life of its own that's completely different than what you anticipated. It's it's super surprising. It really is. But it's like it's just like those things where it's like you don't know what's going to happen. It's like yeah. you never know. I wasn't we weren't expecting a song to do that on the album or anything like that. It's just like you put stuff out into the universe and it's like, all right, how's it going to how does it come back? Like or like how do people take it? And mm-hmm. that's I think something new that we're kind of going with and learning right now which right. is mm-hmm. yeah and no, as i say i feel like there's like one way to record a song and then sometimes there's a whole another way to perform a song and sometimes they are the same but with argo specifically like that one's a whole performed a whole nother way and i don't even know that i'd necessarily like it to be recorded the way that we perform it uh-huh but it's just crazy to to see like i said like the life it brings to it it's like a whole new song to me right yeah it's like yeah it gives us a new song to perform (laughs) (laughs) for the past year you guys have been touring alaska do you have any stories from touring um yeah yeah we do oh we we did this really cool show so we were we were out in um the valley out right outside of talkeetna and that should like the, the okay. yeah the tesh fest <laughs> the so, tesh fest so shout out to shout out to tesh she's um i don't know she's she's a gal that we kind of like met through like mutual folks on like instagram and stuff like that and she's slowly been building this like her birthday each year into this little festival mm-hmm. and she reached out to us or actually our buddy chris kind of connected us and we went out to this compound like out in the middle of talkeetna and it was just like they had all these booths set up of these vendors now that we know and we we work with and we talk to like in town but we didn't know beforehand Mm -hmm. but we went to this like crazy 
just like let's take all the drugs let's like party around in the mud like it might be raining <laughs> and they had this really cool kind of stage set up with like these really kind of like victorian carpets and it's like almost in this side kind of barn mm-hmm. that's open and it was like the most wild show that i've ever done just like going out there and it's like we didn't know what we were expecting and it's like we got to party with we met a couple new bands we got to just like party with new people and yeah i don't know that show it was just so nuts it was like a trip it's like we just stepped into like a different universe that night like (laughs) did a show and then stepped back out into the valley it was crazy It's like Burning Man meets bluegrass. It was or exactly that. And there was like three feet of mud and there's a fire pit in front of the stage. It was so lit. That situation sounds like the Alaskan version of I don't know. I always hear about these musicians who get invited to like rich people's houses, you know, to do like these individual yeah. performances. <laughs> <laughs> It's it's literally yeah that's it's the Alaska version of that for sure. It's like go yeah you don't know where you're going. It's somewhere out in the valley. It's like, okay, that sounds about right. Like right. there's a lot somewhere out there. Yeah, we got a pin. Yeah, I'm sure there's speakers <laughs> out there. <laughs> so you guys have also opened up for a bunch of people from Alaska and from outside of Alaska. Do you feel like you've learned anything from watching other musicians perform? Don't blow your load. <laughs> yeah, don't blow your load. Keep it together. Also, I'd say one thing, too, that I took from um, the Currency show is, I mean, like, when we're starting to do shows, you don't, you're trying to, like, you're seeing other people do shows, you're seeing how other folks do shows, and it's, like, just trying to figure out how to, like, make our make it sound good, mm-hmm. still show respect to, like, the performance side of things, mm-hmm. and watching the Currency show, like, knowing all the things that he has going on and for him to like step on a stage with he has a dj but he had like a cello player and he would just go in and he was rapping all of his stuff and it was like whether he had backing or didn't have backing you could hear his vocals over the top of whatever it was mm-hmm. and it was like he's not chasing a beat he's not following along to anything like he's rapping and that was the one thing where it's like we we will be rapping like whether we have backing <laughs> yeah. whether it's whether it's not there Mm-hmm. My mouth will always be making some sort of noise into the mic <laughs> when we're rapping on stage. <laughs> you guys smoke quite a bit of weed, don't you? Yeah, we do. We do. <laughs> we do. How do you think it affects your music? You know, I was just talking to Chris the other day and we were trying to figure out a song um, <laughs> that didn't have weed in it. <laughs> it was kind of tough. <laughs> I think we came up with one or two, um, but it's definitely got kind of a subconscious role. I feel like it plays not to say that like maybe it's a filler bar. And I mean, you, maybe you could say that, but it's something that's here every day in our lives. So it's going to be incorporated right. in, you know, what we do. We at the Cordova show, um, shout out to this gal foot. Um, sure. Performance name is footy. The clown. She's like this really cool, like kind of not like folksy, but like blue grassy, really intimate music. Mm-hmm. But she was, we, that was our first time really hanging out with, uh hanging out with her ever really and she came out after our set and we're all like outside for the third time smoking another round of blunts or whatever and she's like brother buffalo raps about smoking weed but they really like smoke weed (laughs) like it's not like they're just like yo this sounds cool it's like it's just part of what we're doing like um we're we smoked a blunt right before we walked into this podcast like we're 
Brit's probably out there rolling one right now. It's like, it's not like this thing that we're like, I hope so. Yeah, I hope so. Yeah, but it's like, it's not like it's this thing where it's like, we need to push it. It's like, sorry, it's just like in our stuff. It's just in us. <laughs> it's in me, bro. I think there are probably like three ways to talk about alcohol and drugs and music. One is the glorification of them. Another is as a cautionary tale. And the third, I think, would be storytelling or record keeping. Mm. You know, recounting what you're seeing and hearing around you. Which one do you think you guys do? I think we do a little bit of like kind of recounting and and a little bit of like kind of storytelling. Like it's like we're we're building a history and like it is just kind of what it is. But also there's moments where we're talking about something and I can close my eyes and I'm like, that place was hella hazy and like yeah. and whatever we were doing we were being hot boys like we were smoking too much weed and we were doing it somewhere we shouldn't have been like whatever it was it like it'll take me to a moment yeah, yeah there's definitely some glorification and some ignorance in some of that but, oh facts okay but, yeah, uh, yeah definitely facts, facts, facts. Or i would like to say more storytelling but that would just be me wanting it to be maybe <laughs> <laughs> no that 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 talk about that pound of blood that that's that's storytelling <laughs> garrett how did you or why did you make the move from pursuing snowboarding to pursuing music um that was pretty natural i'd say i'd probably always been pursuing music in some degree whether it was just writing not necessarily recording, mm-hmm. um, but just being interested in hip hop. But uh, <laughs> physical limitations probably put it <laughs> made the transition happen quicker than than not. Because um, snowboarding was my first passion, first mm-hmm. and foremost. Yeah, um, and I had a great time doing that. Shout out to Dinosaurs Will Die and Sean Genovese and the whole crew. Um, rest in peace, Chris Larson, my dog. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I'd say once the the back started acting up and the knees, or I don't know, I blew out my ankle um, hitting hitting the arc over on the east side, and that was kind of the beginning of the end. And it was unfortunately like also the start of like my time with dinosaurs. <laughs> so it was kind of bad timing there. Um, but but those guys were also super supportive. Um, yeah. With you know everything I was doing, whether it was snowboarding or not, or making music, um, those guys have always had my back. So it's been super, super nice to have them in my corner. Um, but yeah, I'd say just the, the realization that, that, uh, that wasn't going to be a, a full-time career, you know, making money snowboarding or anything like that. Bill started to, to pile up, not pile up, but started to get real and had to get a real job. And that didn't allow for as much snowboarding time. But that's the nice thing about hip hop is I can always just go hop in the booth and, you know, Thanks. I got that. I don't need a whole crew of homies with me to go hit a rail and film it and then yeah. shovel it. And then, you know, it's, I don't know. And Jake, have you always been about music or... You know what? I guess you kind of answered that earlier where you said that Garrett got you into music, but you know, was there something before music for you? Um, yeah, there, there definitely was. I will say like when growing up and stuff like that, there was always this little inkling, like we'd be on the chairlift going up at a at hilltop or sitting in the car waiting for our mom to get outside the grocery store. Mm-hmm. And Garrett would always do this thing where he'd just spit a couple bars at me and then I'd rhyme something stupid back to him. And we could all, we could always do that which was which was like that's one thing we always say it's like this always this little thing it's like it was just always there whether whatever we were doing it was always right there yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> but but 
like one big thing that I think kind of separated me and Gary was like when Gary started like snowboarding and I was still six years younger than him, I started playing basketball. Mm-hmm. And so all through elementary school, middle school and high school, that's all I was doing. Like I was just playing ball. Like I'd snowboard a little bit and stuff, but I was really just like pretty much in the gym. I'd play baseball a little bit. But um, actually, when I started when I started rapping like with Garrett, actually, and we started like recording and sending stuff back and forth, I had um, I was down in California and I was on my second year playing at a junior college playing basketball. So I would that that was kind of a moment after Cali was like, all right, am I going to like try and maybe do this again, maybe Mm -hmm. go play overseas or something or try and I don't know. And music had started and it was like, all right, I think I'm just going to see where this music thing goes because i had and and that year too i had i was skateboarding down in cali and i just fractured up my whole right my shooting wrist in my right hand and so it was like and it's still not great and i kind of had one of those moments it was like what are what are we doing here like what's longevity what's gonna get me somewhere and uh and then that's kind of when i made the turn yeah I don't mean to put you guys on the spot here, so let me know if you're into this or if you're not into this, but if you guys were to pretend, you know, you're in that car, just going bar for bar right now with each other, <laughs> what might that sound like? Give me something. Oh, I mean, it'd be something super simple. Like back then it'd be like sitting on the pod and we're talking to Cody. I told him I just got a new Wody. <laughs> sun's out in the car driving by i just rolled a blunt now we're getting real high <laughs> something like that <laughs> would you guys stop once your mom got in the car or would you include her oh yeah now that would be dead as soon as mom got in the car <laughs> yeah we stopped gary's cussing and stuff yeah. i couldn't i couldn't be snitching on that couldn't be doing that <laughs> Well, Garrett, Jake, that does it for my questions, guys. You know, it, it was great chatting with you. And, um, you know, like you said earlier, you know, you you thanked me for, I guess, being a new fan. And I really hadn't, uh, I don't know, like sat with your music for as long as I did, you know, while I was preparing for this interview. And, um, man, I really liked it. And I, I'm really excited to see where you guys go in the future. Yeah, thank you so much. That means so much to us. And like I said, I'm, we're just grateful that anybody's out there listening and supporting. Um, super fucking cool to us. <laughs> it's it's super special. And and we just want to give a quick thank you to you, like for all you do and what you've created in Alaska and this lane that kind of bridges lower 48 and and tells a story and, and promotes this this beautiful place. And you have a great platform and you do a great job of promoting those things and thank thank you so much for that this was we we've done a couple podcasts and you can i don't know you can kind of tell when it's like easy to talk to somebody or it's just like kind of weird and and we're over freaking virtual right now and this this feels really freaking sick so thanks for being a homie and feeling comfortable (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah of course do you guys have anything else you'd like to add uh, shout out mom and pops shout out mom and pop shout out to Caden. shout out to Peta. shout out to Brittany. shout out to lally shout out to lemon who's been gare's dog who's been running into this door if you want to find us on on social media it's a uh, brother underscore buffalo um our website's klsrecords.com 
and there we have merch um our album links to everything a little bit of backstory and stuff on us and where we come from um yo shout out chris too yo shout out to chris shout out to sean hemp big shout out to sean hemp shout out to jns again um yeah and thank you again yeah For more information about the Anchorage Museum, visit anchoragemuseum.org. This podcast was produced by me, Cody Liska, for the Anchorage Museum, with additional help from Julie Decker. Chattermark's music is produced by Keys Open Doors.